1: We're going to go to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Corinthians chapter 1. Now, why don't you do this for us every service, Pastor? You got to be kidding. This is, this is like youth level. So I used to do this when I, when I did youth. I did all this stuff for the youth, you know, to keep them connected. You're more mature than that. Surely you could just stay connected, just your pastor preaching the word. Amen. When I go to Good Guys, and I want to thank Tommy Melinda Winslow who came and helped us today as well. They were there to help us out. Uh, When I go to Good Guys, I'm I'm teaching, I know this, I'm teaching to people that have not had all the teaching you have. They're not as well taught. So I'm trying to bring it on a level that they can grasp and get a hold of it. But I know without a doubt the word's the word, but this will help you. Just uh, the illustration, you know, when I was praying about what to do at Good Guys, immediately I got this picture. In my mind of what God showed me that I'm going to share with you tonight. And when I got it, I started putting it together and I thought, that'll preach. Because that's God. And that'll help people understand every time they ever walk through a door, they would never forget this. It would help them to enter in the promises of God. How many know God wants you to do that? Let's prove it. 2 Corinthians, I'm going to show you and prove to you for a fact in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, God wants you to enter into all the promises he has for you. Now we're going to go a little more in depth tonight than what I do at Good Guys. The other thing about Good Guys is they really like us to try to keep the whole service about an hour because they got to get them back out to the car show and all that. And so uh, I obviously, that's the whole service. That's worship, that's everything. So, all right, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. But as God is faithful, underline that please. Say, my God God is faithful. faithful. I have a question, what's he faithful to? He's faithful to his word, faithful to his word. As God is faithful, our word to you was not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Silvanus and Timothy, was not yes and no. But in him, say in him. Underline this, in him was yes. Yes. What in him was yes? Next verse. For all the promises. How many? All. All the promises of God in him. So this is what he was referring to. All the promises of God in him are what? They are yes and amen. Yes and amen. All the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of God through who? Through us. So how do we bring glory to God in the midst of all this? Entering into those promises. When we enter into the promises God has for us, that's how we bring glory to Him because we know it was Jesus that made it possible. So let's start, first of all, by recognizing where do we find these promises. So these promises are relating to everything you have as a New Covenant Christian, New Testament Christian. Anything Jesus did that provided for us something of a promise from God, in relationship to what he did under the new covenant. Now, if you've ever wondered or ever had a question about, God, could you do that for me? Could I have that? Could What's the answer? Yes. yes. So all the promises, every promise of God. God doesn't say, well, I'll do it for this one, but not for that one. Or it's for this one, but not for that one. No, all the promises. Say it again. All the promises. Well, it's sad to me to see how many Christians are not walking in the promises of God. And I'll guarantee you, this will be a good reminder for some of us, and for some, maybe a little tune-up on some little areas that we need to tweak a little better, so we can actually experience these promises. So all the promises of God are yes, to which we are supposed to give our what? And amen simply means, so be it for me. So so how do we do that? So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Now I want you to see this, because I've actually added another translation here. We're going to have problems with my, there we go. The voice translation of verse 20, watch this. Voice translation of verse 20 says, In Jesus, we hear a resounding what? Yes. No, no, no. In Jesus, we hear a resounding what? Yes. Okay. So Jesus is telling us to the promises of God, a resounding what? Yes. yes. To all of God's many promises. This is the reason we say, Amen. This is the reason we say, Amen, to and through Jesus, with giving glory to God. So I want to talk about this context again of us walking in the promises of God and every single promise is what? Every single promise is yes. So what I want you to picture tonight is I want you to think about as as I've been mentioning now, I want you to think about a door. So really any door you would look at as a representation really represents to me and you what is obviously a place that we can walk into to get what's on the other side. So what I'm talking about tonight is entering into the promises of God. So it's basically like walking through a doorway. There's a way that you have to get in there. But you and I need to understand that as it relates to that door, all you and I have to understand is how that door works. And if we understand how that door works, we can step through it. And guess what we can do? We can enter into God's promises. But we have to understand how it works. Now, in relationship to a door, I don't care how big it is. I don't care how heavy it is. I don't care how grandiose it is or how simple it is. Guess what? It needs hinges. Without hinges, you're going to have a really, really hard time opening that door. Now, I already know where some of you are thinking. Yeah, I know Dr. Barclay says all of life hinges on Thanksgiving. I'm not disagreeing with that, but that's not what I'm referring to. I'm talking about walking through a door into the promises of God. And that door has to open up. We have to open up that door with our amen to get in there. To open that door, guess what? You're going to need some hinges. You're going to need to understand the hinges. So with that thought in mind, let's go to 1 Corinthians 13, 13. 1 Corinthians, just back up. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. So in 1 Corinthians 13, of course, the love chapter, right? We have this incredible description of God's love. And really, I shouldn't just say God's love because God is love. It's really a description of God. And so you get all this understanding of the aspect of God, all that he is in relationship to love. How in verse 8 it tells us, therefore, love, speaking of God, never what? God never fails. He does go on to talk about in this life there will be things that we will experience in this life that won't be in the future life. But he talks about here, notice in verse 11, when I was a child, what did I do? Tell me out loud, please. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. See, I'm going to give you extra verses. I didn't give them. I kept this real simple. Notice, I understood as a child and I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away what? Now, lady, this doesn't exclude you because the term man here is not talking about male. This is child is a reference that helps you understand what he's referring to, talking about a person who is new to Christianity or what we would say an immature Christian. When I was a child or just starting off in Christianity, guess what you still talk like? You still talk like a child. Guess what you still thought like? You thought like a child. Guess what you're not supposed to be doing anymore now if you've been walking with God for a while? Talking like a child. Thinking like a child. No, a man means you're growing up, you're matured now. You understand how this works. And so guess what? I'm not going to keep thinking and talking like a child. So how does an immature Christian talk like? What are does an imma, excuse me what does an immature Christian talk like? What do they sound like? Still sound like the world. Still sound like the world. They're still conditioned to talk like the world. And it still breaks my heart to hear Christians as we're talking about in our new Sunday morning series about, you know, understanding uh, you know your true identity and worth. It still breaks my heart as Christians to hear my depression, my anxiety, my diabetes, my cancer. My, my ADHD, name it, uh, my stress, my, uh, my, 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 my. I'm stressed, I'm, fear, I'm fearful, I'm that, I'm that, I'm that. Well, number one, that's not who you are because that's not who God made you to be. You listening? So who still speaks like that? A child. Who speaks like that as a believer? An immature believer. An immature believer that doesn't know any better and hasn't done something to change that about their life. I like what Charlie said today. Charlie said I've listened to his whole message. Charlie said today very clearly that if you're going to change things in your life, you're gonna to have to make some decisions. So in relationship to walking through this door, you got to, to make some decisions. And if you make some proper decisions and understand the hinge factor of how that door opens, guess what? You can enter into the promises of God. Reading on verse 12, for now we see in a mirror in this life that we're living now dimly, relationship to Jesus, but then we'll see him what? We'll see him face to face. How many excited about that day coming? Notice this, now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am also known. So now he's referencing obviously what's yet to come. Referencing what we know will happen when we get to be with the Lord. But look at verse 13, and now, say now. So until you get there, until that time comes, This is the admonition to every believer. You want to stop talking like a child, thinking like a child, and enter into the promises of God? Now abide. Now listen, abide doesn't mean you visit it just when you need a problem fixed. Abide doesn't mean you just do these things when a problem arises or something comes against you you don't like, or all of a sudden now you don't like a situation you're in, you want to change it. No, no, no. Abide means live there. Lifestyle. This is what you're to do. This is how you're to live. Now abide in what? Faith hope, and love. These three, these three, but the greatest is what? So I'm going to show you in just a minute, I'm going to show you a picture of a hinge. Have you've never actually messed with a hinge before, <laughs> I've messed with many because I've put up a lot of doors in a lot of churches and fixed a lot of doors in my homes. The key that makes that door open and closes is a hinge without a hinge, almost impossible, especially like early massive major doors. So, a hinge basically has three parts. It has a right side, it has a left side, and it has a pin that goes down in the middle. Guess what? Three things you have to have to walk into the promises of God faith, hope, and love. I'm going to tell you tonight, I'm going to give you an upfront head start on what I'm going to talk about tonight. If you're not walking in the promises of God, you're missing one of those elements, one or more. One or more of those elements is not functioning properly because once you have a right side of a hinge combined with the left side of a hinge and you put a pin in it, you can walk right through that door. That door will just swing open and you can walk right in. And this is the problem that a lot of Christians don't understand. We're going to redefine a little bit tonight about understanding how faith works because I always know from a perspective of what I kind of got into early on as a young believer And hear a lot of Christians talk about this aspect of entering into the promise of God. What's the primary focus all the time? Faith. But he didn't say just faith. There's three elements. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest is love. love. And we'll show you why. And we'll actually give you a little nugget, a little extra nugget. I don't want to overload them. I just want to get them basics that they'll start working on. But I'm going to show you an extra nugget to that. So understand this. If we want to walk in the promises of God, what must we do? We've got to abide in faith. We've got to abide in hope. And we've got to abide in love. Now, we're not going to take them in that order because clearly, if you know the Bible, what's the first thing we need to look at? The first thing we need to look at is actually hope. Because faith is the substance of things. So we've got to start with hope. And this is where a lot of Christians kind of jump right over this and they just try to go right into faith. Well, faith gives substance to, faith latches on. To hope. If you don't have hope, your faith has nothing to grab a hold of. Right. If you don't have hope, and a lot of times we don't emphasize this enough, turn to Hebrews 11. If you don't have hope, then clearly as a believer, if you lack hope, your faith has nothing to grab a hold of. We just kind of focus on the aspect of faith is that all I got to have is faith. All I got to do is have faith. All I got, to, All I need is faith. You're going to find out that every person in this Bible never had faith without first having hope. So let me talk about hope for just a minute as you're turning to Hebrews 11. I know you; most of you know this. We've taught, taught on it many times. Bible hope is not the same as worldly hope. We'll even see that when we get to Abraham as an example tonight. So literally worldly hope is based on what? What you see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What you feel. What's going on around you. And therefore as it relates to us and God, we're not to walk in worldly hope in relationship to walking out what God wants in the promises of God. We have to walk in the God kind of hope. So what's the God kind of hope? So the God kind of hope is similar to faith, okay? Faith sees, and I'm going to give you a definition of this in another verse in a minute, not now. But faith sees things as already done, even though in the natural, they're not there. Guess what hope does? Same thing. Hope is you and I recognizing what is God's will for us and latching onto that and say, I can have that because God said it. So hope is an expectation of good to come. Well, where do you get this expectation of good to come? You got to know what the will of God is. So as an example, I, I gave them the example. I've shared it many times with you. You know, I went with my dad one time to this mine that he took us into. We went all the way down this mine shaft. He had a light on. He turned it off. And when he turned it off, man, I kind of freaked out. I mean, it didn't take long, probably a couple of minutes, you know. And next thing you know, you're like, am I up or down? Or it's just weird because there's zero light. I mean, none at all, unless you've ever been in that environment. I don't think you could ever get a home that dark. I don't know that you could. I don't know you could ever get in an area where there's, I mean, where where there is no light. I can only imagine how horrible hell will be. Oh, no. But, I mean, God is light. And to be totally in a position where there is zero light, none around you, and just in the natural, to fill the darkness in that moment and the confusion that began to set in. You know, I'm like about 14 years old at the time, and I started freaking out. I don't mean like screaming, but inside, I'm I'm starting to panic. I'm like, man, what did my dad do, lose his light? He's kind of giggling, so I know he's turned the light off, you know. But I'm like, really, we're going to get out of here? Let me help you. I want to get this across to you. When my dad turned that flashlight back on, hope arose in my heart. (laughs) You ready for this? Psalms 119, the entrance of God's Word gives hope. I'd have to look it up for you. Give the exact. 30. Thank you. 119.30. Psalms 119.30. You're, you're in Hebrews 11, chapter 1. But what do I need? What do I actually need for hope to arise? I need the Word. Amen. The entrance of God's Word. Say it. The entrance of God's word. Brings what? Light. What does it bring? Light. Uh, it's not 30. It's 130, right? It's, it's Here we go. It's 119.130. Psalm 119, 119, the chapter, verse 130. The entrance of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. So where the word comes in initially in helping us to enter into the promises of God is we have to have a light turned on to say, oh, I can have that. I can have that. Yeah. Oh, God has that for me. Oh, God wants me to have that. Yes. All the promises of God are. Yes. So I've got to have that light moment so I, I, and I do this all the time when I go speak pe- places like this, it won't apply here. But I asked a whole bunch of people there in that room today. I said, how many of you by lifting up your hand would know without a doubt, God has the power to heal almost every hand went up. Now I didn't ask them the second question. I want to embarrass them. I said, you know, the problem isn't that most people don't think God has the power to heal. The problem is, will he do it for me? Because they go by what happened to sister so-and-so, aunt Margaret, Uncle Sam, you name it, mom, dad, whatever. Well, I happen to know so-and-so, they believe God, they didn't get healed. Well, where in the world did the Bible ever say that we base what we do in relationship to God off of what somebody else had or didn't have? We imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So my question tonight is simply this. This is my question. Are you satisfied with the promises you're walking in now? If you're not, you better bone up on three things, faith, hope, and love. Because they're the only way to open the door to get into the promises of God. And it begins with hope. Because hope again is, I want you to get this, hope is the goal setter. I'm going to show you that in a minute. Hope's hope's the goal setter. So what is hope all about as it relates to us and the promises of God? It's really finding out what is God's will. What is God's will for me? The minute you know it, guess what happened? Light got turned on. Entrance of God's word. Brought light. And what rose? Hope did. Hope. Hope did. Now all of a sudden, I have a Bible expectation of good. Yeah. I know God wants me to have this, and therefore I can now have an expectation of good to come. You can't stay there, as we'll see in a minute, and walk in the promises of God, but you got to start there. So I got to start there. Yeah. Hebrews 11, chapter 1. I know you know it. Now faith is the substance of things what? Hope for. It is the evidence of things. So watch this again. Faith is the substance. Another way to say it from the Greek wording here is faith gives substance. Faith gives substance. Wait a minute. To the things what? So we emphasize the faith all the time. But what if you don't have the hope? It has nothing. Faith has nothing to give substance to. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Things hoped for. Things. 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 What things? Promises promises things hoped for well how can I hope for what I don't know is God's will for me so first and foremost you as a child of God to enter into the promises of God have to go to the word of God and you have to find those promises that God says are yours and you have to settle once and for all that is a promise given to me because of what Jesus did not me Because I'm in right standing with God. I've taught you this many times. God gave you the gift of righteousness. What does that tell me? I now have a right to what Jesus provided. Not because of what I've done, because of that gift of righteousness. So I've said it many ways, but I want you to get this clarified in your heart that when you walk through a door, the first thing you think of is, I've got to have hope to open that door. And hope is knowing what the will of God is, not in any way questioning it, But I now know without a doubt, if I go to the Word, I can prove from the Word, I've got hope in this promise because God said it's mine. God said it belongs to me. Now, you don't have faith for it yet, but you have a hope rising because now you know what to expect. How can you expect from God what you don't know you have a right to? you You can't. You can only expect from God to receive from God what you know you have a right to, what He's given you a promise of. Any amens on that? Amen. So I want you to do this. I want you to hold your place here because we're going to come back. Go to Psalm 119 as I was just re- referencing it. Go over to Psalm 119. I see for them, I just put it up on the screen. For you, I'm going to make you turn to it. Psalm 119. I want you to see this. Psalm 119. So we just let the word interpret the word around here. So let me prove to you that your hope is based on the Word of God, what God has said to you that you know you have a right to. All right? Psalm 119. I don't have hope until I have entrance of His Word. When the entrance of His Word comes to me, comes into me, I realize now that this is His will for me. It's a promise for me. Guess what just came? Light came. And the minute light came, what rose? Hope rose up. Hey, I could have this. This is this this belongs to me. I can have this, praise God. Psalm 119, you with me? Yes. 49. Psalm 119:49 says, "Remember the word to your servant." Speaking to God. God, remember what? The word to your servant. So, what's he remembering? The word that God spoke. "Remember the word that you spoke to your servant, look upon which you have caused. You have, God, you have caused me to hope." What's God telling you? Your hope is in my word. Your hope is in what I've told you you have a right to. Your hope is in what... So when we talk about hope, now listen, we could go into weeks just on... uh, We could break all this down into multiple weeks of teaching for every one of them. So you're very well taught. You're very smart believers. You're very mature believers in Jesus' name. I'm speaking that by faith as well. Praise the Lord. You are. I want you to get this real quick. You got to understand this. When it relates to hope, you got to know this. You got to know that to have hope in his word, I got to know multiple things. I got to know not only what he promised, but I also got to know I do have a right to it. And I got to know that's already a purchased possession of mine. Mm -hmm. So there's three things I can name off the top, right, quick about hope. One, I got to know what he's promised. Two, I got to know I have a right to it. Three, I got to know that it's already been purchased, already been bought. So therefore, there's nothing I'm going to do to earn it. He promised it, gave me his word. Jesus himself, therefore, did what? Made me right. Come on, gave me right the right to it. And therefore, he has shed his blood that it belongs to me. Right. So just think about what we did tonight. I've done this many times with my body, facing things with my body. I learned it from Kenneth Hagan. Kenneth Hagan, I was driving home one day and I'm listening to a message by Brother Hagan, And Brother Hagan, you know, was on his you know, little deal about healing and stuff as he taught on so many times. And, and he said, you know, he said, I haven't had a headache in 52 years. I'm going, man, <laughs> I sure like that. And he said, the last headache I had, he names, you know, the exact date and all that kind of stuff and everything. And he said, I was, I was leaving Ramah. I was leaving Ramah campus. I was in my car. And, and all of a sudden, this pain started in my head. I picked up on this right away. This pain started in my head. And I'm driving down uh, to go off the campus. And, and immediately, I stopped and said, no, you don't. In Jesus' name. Jesus is Lord over my body. Right. See, what do you mean by right standing? Jesus purchased my body. Therefore, guess what doesn't have a right to my body? Pain, you don't have a right to my head. Jesus purchased this body, including my head. And so immediately he said, pain, I rebuke you. You don't have a right to my body. Ready? Jesus is Lord over my body. Why? He purchased it. See, this is what I'm referring to hope. This is all involving hope because you got to know not only is that a promise given to me, but also, guess what? I have a right to it because he purchased it for me. And so when he said that, he said, by the time I got to the end of the campus and started to pull out on the street, the pain was gone. And I said, I'm done with headaches. I'm done with them. Now, you can say what you want. I can't tell you how many years ago that was. I'm not a Hagan. But I'm going to tell you right now, I haven't, I've had some headaches try to come on me, but they've never lasted more than maybe five, ten minutes tops. Amen. The minute they hit, I say, uh-uh. Amen. Nope. You don't have a right, That's right. That's right to my body. Why? I got hope in that message of Brother Hagin's, a new scripture on healing. The moment I heard it. I got hope in that very truth. This doesn't have a right to my body. So you could know healing, for example, has been purchased and bought for you. But you know what? You may still be trying to earn it in some way. You may still be trying to, well, once I know I live a good enough life or I do this or I do that or whatever. Now, I'm not going to tell you that there might not be things that God could reveal to you that you could be doing that could hinder that healing to manifest. And I don't mean stopping God from manifesting. I'm talking about you. I can't claim I'm Lord over my body if I don't treat my body like Jesus is Lord over my body. Thank you for all your amens about that. So if cancer attack, don't get mad at me. Don't throw nothing. I'm not thinking of anybody. I'm just talking about your, I'm talking about me. I'm not even talking about you. I'm talking about me. Years ago, when God dealt with me about chewing tobacco, he said this to me, I can no longer protect you from cancer. You want to know why? Because I'm shoving something in my mouth that causes cancer. So does that mean God didn't want me well? Oh, no, he wanted me well. Does that mean he didn't have the ability to heal me? No, he did. But he's saying if you keep stuffing that in your mouth, I can't protect you from what you're trying to cause to come on your body. So you got to understand when I say Jesus is Lord over my body, you got to ask yourself this question. Is he really? Now, if he is, you can claim it and you can say it in faith. Jesus is Lord. Well, there you go. I'm earning. No, no, no. You're recognizing your body belongs to him. And I'm not doing things intentionally to cause things to come on my body that I know would if I keep doing that thing intentionally. Can I get a better amen? Amen. So you got to understand. What about sexual immorality? Any idea of the diseases you can pick up through that? So my point again is you can't do things you know that's going to cause that. And, and think you're going to walk free from it but you're not earning anything jesus purchased your healing any good amens on that so this is all understanding hope hope is recognizing not only what the promise is but that i have a right to it and that's been purchased for me you got it and that entrance of god's word is what brings that hope because the entrance of god's word brings what light So again, Psalm 119.49, remember the word to your servant upon which you, you, Father God, have caused me to hope. Guess where God wants you to find your hope? Guess where God wants you to find your hope? He wants you to find it in the Word. So there's that verse, Psalm 119.49, where am I going to find hope, child of God? When would I ever stop finding hope? You shouldn't. You should constantly, you know, people say, don't get your hopes up. Now, I guarantee you, guess where that, guess where that train of thought came from? That came from the devil. Right. Now, understand, natural hope, obviously, is different than God kind of hope. But why would he say that? Because he don't even want you getting your hopes up in the things of God. You know how many times I've heard people say, well, I'd sure like to be healed, but I just don't want to get my hopes up because if it don't happen. Well, see, you're never going to get healed then. Right. God wants you to get your hopes up so your faith has something to latch on. Right got I get a better amen? amen? So if you want hope, which is what you got to have to create this, all three parts of the hinge for the door to open. If you want hope, what do you got to do? You got to live in the Bible. You got to stay in the word to know the promises of God. Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. And to know that you have a right to them. You've got to know that. I said, you've got to know that. So I mentioned already. So what is hope? It's the goal setter. It's the goal setter. When I go to the Bible and I find a promise of God, that brings hope that that is for me, and therefore I now have a goal. Yes. I now have a goal. that If I want to walk, you know, I'm working on it because I'm going to show you how you have to work on this stuff. I've seen healings. I have experienced some things that I can deal with now that I know I can get rid of, but I'm still working on me actually getting into a place of divine health. I don't just want to live free from a headache for 50-something years. Now I, I'm listening to Hagen and Sumrall. Sumrall said, you know, one time in one message, he said, I haven't had any issues with my body in 35 years. No pain, no sickness, no disease. Don't get mad again. Don't throw anything. I'm just, I'm just quoting him. He, he's talking to his church. He said, can you imagine if we had all of you bring your medications to church today? How much would show up? He said, don't get me wrong, but I'm just here to tell you, I can't even tell you the last time I took any medication. Now, I'm not telling you to quit it. I'm just telling you right now for the facts. Because he's been asked all the time, why do you see such miracles in foreign lands? Terry Miles would say the same thing. They have nothing else to trust in. That's right. Right. Good I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll, let me give you Lester Summerall's word. You ready? They have nothing to fall back on. Right. You're it. You show up, you tell them Jesus will heal them, they, their hope starts rising. Yes. Hey, he wants me healed. Jesus wants me healed. And they come believing they can get it. If that man of God just lays a hand on me, remember the one with the issue of blood, if I just touch the hem of his garment, boy, if that man of God lays hands on me, praise God, I can get my healing because they got nowhere else to go. Now, don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm not anti-doctor either, but I'm just telling you right now, folks, you know, when are we going to really start trusting in God? God wants us well. God wants us well. What must I do? You got to start with hope. You got to start with hope. You got to have a goal setter. So my goal is beyond just dealing with some things that I've learned how to get rid of my body. My goal now is to start walking in divine health every day. Amen. Yes. That I go through years at a time, like Brother Hagin said, not even know I have a body. Because yes. I got stuff to do, and my body's got to get me around to do it. Yes. How about you? Yes. So, you know, the minute you bring that up, people start taking offense. But I'm just here to tell you, if you take offense, you're going to wind up missing out on what God wants. Ask yourself this question, just being honest. Okay, just being honest. I love you, trying to help you. Ask yourself this question. Does God want us living on medication? No, he doesn't. Okay, so where should I start, Pastor? Hope. Start with hope. Start going to the Bible and finding what God's will is for you and that you do have a right to it. Come on, whatever you're dealing with in your body, that you can eliminate the medication and now do what? Now walk in the light of the promise of God. How can you not enter into a promise of God with faith, hope, and love? Amen. How can you not? You can't. Because if you got faith, hope, and love, guess what you're going to do? You're going to open the door to the promises. All the promises are? Yes. Let me, come on, let me hear you. All the promises are? Jesus said all the promises with a resounding? Yes. Yeah, yes. So every promise of God is yes. And I'm here to tell you folks that if you have hope, you're on the way. But a lot of people, you know, totally skip the hope thing, but you got to have a goal setter. All right? So what's the next part of the hinge we got to have? Got to have faith. Got to have faith. Turn to Romans 4. Romans 4. So you can have the hope. Right? You can, that's where you start. You got to have the goal setter. You got to know that it's what God's will. You got to know that God wants you to have it. You got to got to know it's a right for you to have. But guess what? I got to connect with it now. So remember what I what we, I told you. Hold Hebrews uh, eleven. We're not going to go back here because you know it. I'll just quote it again. Now faith is the substance of things. So the faith has to latch onto the hope. See, I got to start with hope so you start with hope but what's the next thing you gotta do then you gotta connect faith with it right. faith now gives substance to what you were hoping for right. what, where, where you got an expectation of good to come of the promises of God I have a right to that God's given me that promise Jesus has already solidified it by his shed blood I know it because I can find it in the New Testament it's a covenant right of mine yes. so I know that's exactly what God wants for me you got a great goal yes. you got a goal what do I got to do now? Work on your faith. Yeah. Got to work on your faith. You never lose sight of the goal, but you got to connect what with it? You got to connect faith. Mm-hmm. Faith is the substance. Gives substance for things, 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 things. Healing's a thing. Right. You listening? Yeah. The the blessings of God thing. God's got things that he'll bring to you. God's got things he'll do for you. Hope is obviously what you and I need to have to start with, but then faith gives substance to those things hope for. All right? Romans chapter 4. So I know you know the story, but I want to show you a key nugget in this story that will help you. Once I have hope, am I good to go? No, you're not. You started on the process. You got a goal. Praise God. You know what I have a right to. I'm going to say it about a hundred times just so you get it. I know what I have a right to. And Excuse me. I know what I have promised me by God, and I know I have a right to it. See, the biggest reason Satan tries to make you feel unrighteous is so that you don't feel you have a right to what God promised. Yeah. Uh, What I was mentioning before, if I keep doing things that intentionally is going to cause harm to my body, God can't stop that harm from coming. That's what I was referring to. But that doesn't mean I'm earning anything from God because every single person under Jesus' ministry that got healed, they were sinners. They were sinners. None of them were right with God. You listening? None of them were. But you know what? They got hope when they heard Jesus would heal them. Hope rose in their heart. Then they started hearing about people getting healed or Jesus telling them that he would do it. And guess what got connected with their hope? I want to say it this way. You ready? An absolute assurance. An absolute assurance. Watch this. Romans chapter 4, you know, in these verses right here, it's talking about the promise that was given to Abraham. And for the sake of time, I can't back up to all these verses. So let's go to verse 17. Verse 17, quoting here from the book of Genesis, as it is written, God said, say God said. So here's what God said to Abraham. Underline it. I have made you a father of many nations. Now this is a key to faith. Faith is now. Now faith is. Faith isn't past tense. Faith isn't future tense. Faith is right now. God's a God of now. So he didn't say, I'm going to make you. He said, I have made you. Already done. You already are. And he hadn't hadn't even had a child yet. Hasn't even had a child yet. I have made you a father of many nations, many peoples. In the presence of him, God, whom he, Abraham, did what believed. Notice this. God gives, who gives life to the dead. And it gives you a little clue here about what Abraham was doing. God, who gives life to the dead, underline it, and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. And we're going to emphasize that statement because you're going to see that's what Abraham was doing. Abraham got hope when God first spoke to him, but he didn't have faith yet. He's still questioning, he's still wondering, is this really going to happen? But over time, what God did, after about initial aspect of a number of years of him telling him he was going to be a father of a multitude, he changed his name from Abram to Abraham. Because once he got that hope instilled in him, guess where he's got to bring him now to the next level? Faith. I got to get faith connected with his hope. He now knows and is expecting for this to happen. But now I got to get faith in him that he's assured it's going to take place. Because I've already said I'm going to make him. Nope. Not going to make him. I've already said I have. So God calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Verse 18. Who contrary. Listen. Who contrary to hope. Talking about Abraham. Contrary to hope, natural hope, natural worldly hope. What's natural hope based on? What you see, what you feel, what's going on around you. See, in the context of his life, he's almost 100. Sarah's barren. Come on, you know the story. What expectation does he have to bring forth a child in the natural? None. In contrary to that hope, watch this, in hope. What kind of hope? God kind of hope. Contrary to hope, in hope, what did he do? He believed. So he got the faith connected with his hope. This is referring to this time frame now of him already now having faith connected with hope. Let's find out how he got there. So notice this. In hope, he believed so that he became the father of many nations, which God said he already was. Notice, according to what was what? What was spoken, what God had said. So shall your descendants be. What do we go by? What God said. Now, what's the first purpose of the Word of God, therefore, for us to get in the promises of God? I'll slow down. What's the first purpose of God's Word in your life to get you into the promises of God? To To bring hope. Mm -hmm. What's the first thing you got to get from the Word of God? Hope. Hope. Where's your hope come from? What God said. God's promise. Amen? Amen. What are we doing now? Connecting faith with it. 19. Notice this. Not being weak in faith. So this is a powerful truth now. This wasn't at the start. He was. He wasn't, oh yeah, God, so be it. Praise the Lord. We're going to have a lot of kids. No. No, he's like, how's that going to happen? I'm 100. She can't have kids, right? So God keeps speaking to him and his hope starts rising. He don't have faith yet. His name is still Abram. And as that hope starts rising and he gets a realization, God wants me to have this. God changes his name because now he's got to get faith connected with his hope. So it says here, not being weak in faith, notice he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Why did he not consider her, her body and obviously his body? I'll tell you why. He already had hope. He already had, what, what's your hope in? The word of God. He already had God's promise. He knew that this is what God wanted for him. Watch this, 20. He did not waver. Say so he, he didn't waver. What did he not waver at? What did he not waver at? Come on, read the rest. What did he not waver at? Promise. promise of God. What did he not waver at? The promise of God. All the promises of God are yes, are yes and amen. Why do we not have them? We're wavering. That's right. We're wavering. In some way, we're wavering. We are in a position where we don't have hope and expectation or we don't have faith connected with it or we got a love problem. But if we get those three things, like Abraham, we're going to open the door and we're going to enter into the promise of God. Notice he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was what? Notice this. He was strengthened in faith. We're going to learn something from Abraham tonight. I'm going to show you, God had to strengthen his faith to get him to the place to where that promise could come to pass. How did he get strengthened in faith? Giving glory to God. Going to come back to that. Verse 21, listen to this. Being what? Being what? So here's when you know you've actually got to a place where faith has arrived. The left part of the hinge has showed up when you're fully convinced. Until you're fully convinced, guess what you need to do? You need to be strengthened in faith. Because until you are strengthened in faith, you're going to waver. And once you're strengthened in faith, what are you now? How do I know, Pastor, that I've been strengthened in faith? You're fully convinced inside your heart. You know that you know that you know that you know that you know this is mine. What has what has taken place when I'm fully convinced in my heart? This is mine. Hope has now had faith connected with it. I now have two parts of the hinge. You listening? But until I'm fully convinced, guess what? You're not in faith yet. I've had people come to me, Pastor, uh, I don't know. Can I pray for this? Could I believe for this? Could you agree with me? I'm just coming to you to find out if I could pray for this or not and believe God for this or not. There's no reason for me to pray with you. (laughs) Why? For you to ask me whether or not you could even believe God for it tells me you don't even know yet if it's his will or not. Now, we can talk about it. We can discuss whether the Bible says it is. We can find out where your faith is, but you may not be fully convinced yet. You're certainly not, or you wouldn't be asking me if obviously God would do this for you. What do you got to become? What do you got to become? When you become fully convinced, you now have the faith side of the hinge. But it's still on its way. It's not there yet until you're fully convinced. When you're fully convinced, I'm telling you, you, I'm I'm not joking. It wouldn't happen unless you just choose to get out of love and not get back in love. But I'm just telling you, folks, when you're fully convinced, you'll die fully convinced even if it never came to pass. You know there's people in the Bible that the Bible calls in the hall of faith people of faith who never obtained the promise. What promise? Salvation in their day. Wasn't the time for Jesus to come. And yet God counted them faithful amen Amen? Amen. because they were fully convinced our salvation's coming it just didn't come in their lifetime now that don't mean the promises you have in the new testament can't come in your lifetime they can what's the answer to those promises yes Yes. Yes. to which we give our how do we do that hope and then faith. So when am I in faith? This is what I want to focus about on this issue right here. When am I in faith? When you're fully convinced. If you're fully convinced, let me help you. You don't need any pumping up. You don't need anybody to encourage you. You don't even think about it. You don't even question it. You don't even talk to anybody else about it because you already know. Say you already know. How did he get there? Back to verse 20. He got there by being strengthened in faith through what? Giving glory to God. So how did he do that, church? How in the world did Abraham get to this place where he became so strong in faith he was able to connect it with his hope? Here's how. Faith never stops saying what God has said. This will strengthen your faith. This will strengthen your faith. So he had hope. He knows God wants him to have a son. God said, I've made you. God said, I've made you. Right? Right? God said, I want you and Sarah to have a son. I have made you. So he starts with hope. Mm-hmm. I want you to have a son. Oh, there's the goal. I have made you. Mm-hmm. Now you need to connect faith with the goal. Yes. Because faith always speaks as if it's already done. So what did God do to take Abram from hope to connecting faith With that hope, where he was so strong in faith, he was fully convinced. Changed his name. Changed his name. For years now, this man's walking around saying, I'm Abraham. I'm Abraham. I'm Abraham. Once God changed his name, what's he now doing for years? I'm Abraham. I'm Abraham. Abraham. Actually, it wasn't years, but I'm just saying he just, so God changed it. So before that, it was like always people walk up and say, hey, Abram, how you doing? I'm not Abram anymore. Abraham. Huh? Abraham. Nope, I'm Abraham. Abraham. See, he never went, listen to me carefully, he never went back to talking the way he used to. Right. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. He never went back to talking like a child again on, on this promise. Good. Amen. Never did. We tend to go back speaking like children. Right? We start off speaking the word of God and think it should come to, come to pass tomorrow. But you may not be fully convinced yet. Amen. You may not be fully convinced of the goal, of the hope of what God gave you that it's already so. How do you get fully convinced? You keep saying, keep saying what, God said. what God said. God's not saying it's going. God calls those things that be not as though they were. What do you start doing? Don't, don't immediately go to prayer and think you're releasing faith until you're fully convinced. Right. So what do you start doing? You keep saying what God said. You say it over and over and over and over and over. You don't say, I'm going to be. You don't say, I hope I will be. No, that's a worldly hope. Hope's already risen because you know the goal now and you know I have a right to it. How do I connect faith with it? So let me help you, child of God. You're probably not walking in faith if you're not fully convinced. And therefore, you need to do what? You need to get God's promise on your mouth. And you need to say it over and over and over, and over, and over. Just like God did with Abram. Abram means exalted father. He actually added to his name. Mm -hmm. You're not just Abram, you're now Abraham. You're an exalted father who is now a father of many people. And she still hadn't had a child. Now you understand, faith without works is dead. You realize there was some works going on there, adults. Right. right? But understand this, he's saying it over, and over, and over and over, and over again. Let me tell you what you need to do. Once you know what the goal is, what you have hope for, what God's promised, so now you know the promise, what do you got to connect with it? Faith. And until you're fully convinced, I've said it now about 15 times, I'm going to say it probably 15 more, what do you got to do? Say what God said over, and over, over. you got it yet? You got to say it over, and over, and over, what? What God said. What did God say is already yours. What did God say you have the right to? What is it that you set your hope on that was a promise from God that you had a goal for? Now you start saying, that's mine. Amen. Yes. You take it from a goal to now being fully convinced. And when you get fully convinced, you got two parts of the actual hinge of which that door's about to swing open and you can enter into that promise. Amen. Can I get a better amen? amen? But you can't stop there because there's another element. Now abide in faith hope and love. Go to Mark 11. Am I helping you all tonight? See, a lot of Christians, man, well, well, I don't understand, Pastor. I thought it was just all about faith. Now, you got to start with hope. You got to have an expectation of what God promised to latch your faith onto it. Now, why do I, why do you, why do we need to keep saying whatever promise, whatever hope we have, that's a promise from God that we now start saying it over and over again. Why do we got to keep saying it over and over again? Does anybody know why we got to keep saying it over and over again? Do what now? It does, but why? How does, why does it convince you? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Guess who you listen to more than anybody else in a day? You. You. See, the reason you got to keep saying it over and over and over again is because faith's going to come by hearing it over and over and over again. That's how Abraham became strong in faith, giving glory to God. How in the world is he giving glory to God now? Because he's already saying what God says. When he says Abraham, what's he saying? What God says. So guess who he bringing glory to? God. Because he's not the one that caused himself to become a father of multitude. God said I am. When you say I'm healed, guess what you're doing? You're bringing glory to God. Why? Because God said you are. Any good amens on that? Now, for some people, it don't take that long. For others, it may take quite a while. It depends on what you're dealing with. It depends on things that may have affected your life in that area. Whatever it is. But you've got to come to that place of being fully convinced. How do you get fully convinced? Let's see if you got it yet. How do you get fully convinced? You keep saying what God said over and over and over. And you don't say, it's going to be. You say, it's so. Because what was Abraham saying? What God said, I've made you. I've made you a father of many nations. When he said Abraham, he was saying what God said. He's made me. He gave me the name. He's made me a father of many nations. Hallelujah. He's made me the healed of the Lord. He's made me carefree. Yeah. He's made me worry free. Yeah. Come on, he's made me more than a conqueror. Yes. So you the problem is the average Christian, you can't get them to confess anything other than in church once in a while and then they go about their day and they wonder why they don't have the faith, the fully convinced part to connect to the hope. You ain't saying it enough. Right. How often do I need to say it? I don't know for you. I'll tell you how long you do though till you're fully convinced. Amen. Well, how will I know when I'm fully convinced? You'll know. You'll know you're fully convinced. So I got the hope. Say we got the hope. hope. Got the faith. faith. But guess what else you got to have? You can't leave out the love. That little center pin is crucial. Greatest of these is love. And I'm going to show you two reasons why. And I got to hurry. All right. Mark 11. Mark chapter 11, I know you know these verses, 24, we'll cut right to the chase. Jesus said, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask, yes. when you pray, believe that you receive them, you will have them. What if I'm not fully convinced? Don't ask yet. Right. Preach it. Don't ask, because if you're not fully convinced, you're not going to believe you receive it when you pray. See, a lot of Christians have allowed this to affect their prayer life. Well, I believe God and it didn't happen, did you Really? Did you really? Because if you were fully convinced when you prayed, you now believe what? I have it. Yes. So in your view, it's already mine. Amen. Watch this. Verse 25. And whenever you do stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, what do you got to do? You got to forgive him. That your father in heaven may also what? Forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, guess what? Neither will your father in heaven do what? So what's he telling us here, folks? What's he telling us here? Faith works through You gotta have the love for the hinge to work because faith works through what? Love. Galatians 5, 6. Latter part of the verse. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. What was he throwing in circumcision for? It ain't based on what you do. It ain't based on your efforts. It's based on your faith but your faith works through Love. So what if I don't have love? You don't have the center hinge. I said you don't have the center hinge. You listening? There it comes again. Took me so long to build it, I thought I'd just show it to you one more time. Yeah, why not, right? Right. Turn the sound up a little bit. So faith works through love. So really simple, really simple in in, in figuring this out, okay? Two things is I'm going to relate to you about love. I'm going to relate to you one thing that I told them that's absolutely critical. Love's a choice. Love's a choice. Because inside of you now as a born-again believer in that new spirit man, the very first fruit of that new spirit man is love. How do I walk in love? You choose to do it. It has nothing to do with your feelings. You choose to, but what if they did me wrong? What if they did me bad? What if they did, okay, what'd you do to Jesus? Well, yes. oh, I did nothing to Jesus. Oh yeah, we did. Yeah, because of our sin. Well, oh, that was Adam. Well, let me help you. You probably wouldn't have done any, any different and, and he represents all of us. So I understand he not only bore my sin, he bore all the punishment my sin deserved. Yes, he did. Thank you, Jesus. If you don't learn to become an instant forgiver, if you know, listen to me, three elements. So if you know you got hope, you know what to expect. You got faith. You're fully convinced it's yours. And you don't see these things working? Guess what you need to start checking on? Do I got that pin in place? Right, right. Do I have any unforgiveness in my heart towards anybody? In my heart. Not my head. In my heart. Right. See, it's an action. It's a decision. It's a choice. Right. You just simply choose to say, I forgive. I release. I'm not going to let this affect my faith walk. I, I choose to walk away. I choose to not fight back. I choose to not retaliate. I choose... Listen... And, and you better not be slandering others and gossiping and doing all that kind of stuff because you're out of love. Right. Yeah. Brother Hagin said, if my faith wasn't working, the first place I checked every single time was my love walk. First place every time. So love is a choice. Say love is a choice. Is a choice. Why? Because forgiving others is a choice. And your faith, what? It depends on it. So two things I was going to tell you about love. So number one, love is a choice. So you and I have to choose to walk in love towards others, Right? Okay, I'm going to give you a bonus. Ready? Number two, you have to choose to accept God's love for you. You have to choose. I didn't want to overload them. I was trying to give them minimal. You have to choose to accept God's love for you. Because if you go to First John chapter 4, what is uh, opposite of faith in reverse? Fear. Fear. Fear will hinder your ability from receiving from God. What does 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 say? There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he, who's, he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Now, what's that referring to? That's 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. What is that referring to? You don't accept right before that, a few verses before that, he says, we've, believed, we've known and believed the love that God has for us. Yes. So what's the other way? That a lack of love can affect your actual experience of entering into the door of what God has for your life. You're questioning God's love for you. You question God's love for you, guess what's entering in? Fear. Guess what fear is going to do? Fear and faith don't mix. It's going to hinder your faith. You could already have the hope. You could have had the faith. But all of a sudden, the lack of understanding God's love causes you to allow fear to enter in. And now all of a sudden, that left side of that hinge is gone your faith has been affected. Now you're trying to connect it with fear and it don't work. So two things about love. Number one, so I got to make a choice. I, excuse me, I got to choose to love. It's just a choice. I got to choose to love others. Let, let me want to say it that way. I got to choose to love others. Say it. I got to choose to love others and I got to choose to accept his love for me. You just choose to accept his love for you. He proved his love for you through Jesus Christ dying for you. Could I get a better amen? Every time you walk through a door for the rest of your life, I pray you think about the hinge. And you think about every door you walk through is no different than me walking into the promises of God. And what made it possible for me to open that door? A hinge did. What makes it possible for me to enter in the promises of God? A hinge does. Hope, goal setter, faith, convinced it's mine, and love. I'm not only walking in love, I know God loves me. Amen. Let me help you. If you're walking in that, you're entering in. It may not be that very instant. may not be tomorrow, but I promise you this. Like Abraham, that boy's coming. Yeah. Can you say that, again? that boy's coming. You're going to enter into what God has for you. Amen. Why? Because I've chosen to have what? Hope, expectation of what God said I have a right to. Faith, I'm now fully convinced it's mine. Amen. And love. I'm walking in love, but I'm convinced of God's love for me. If you're not seeing the promise of God work in your life, child of God, look at these three things. Amen. Go back and pull this teaching back up. Listen to it again. Because one of these three things is missing if you're not entering into the promises of God. You have the ability to open that door and step right into God's promises, but without the hinge, you listening? Yeah. So I'm praying to go to good guys and say, Lord, do you want me, what do you want me to teach on? All they showed me was a picture of a hinge, and then the Holy Spirit said, faith, hope and love. And I knew exactly what he was referring to. Amen. And it'll work for any one of us. Yes, Do you notice hinges don't show favoritism? Right. You ever notice that? You ever walked up to a door and it will open for somebody else, but it won't open for you. <laughs> not if the hinges are there. Right. Seriously, right. the hinges don't rebel and say, uh-uh, not letting you in. No, if the hinges all complete. If it's all there, guess what? You can walk right in. See, a lot of us think, well, I don't have the faith of a so-and-so. Shut your mouth. I don't have a faith of a Wigglesworth. I don't have a faith of a Summerall. You don't even know what faith is. To make that statement, you have no idea what faith is. You were given a measure of faith just like they were. You have the same faith. You have the same faith. let saith the Bible. It ain't a different faith. God didn't give them a different faith than he gave you. You listening? But even in some cases where I would, what I would acknowledge even my own fault, from my own aspect of a fault of teaching, we got to emphasize all three things. Amen. And a lot of people don't start with the hope. They don't really understand the goal of what I have available to me and have a right to because of what God promised. Right. Can I get a better amen?